Good wishes, and welcome to another installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter, this time for September 22nd, 2020. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, for another quick look into some of what's happening and what's coming up. Today's installment comes with support from the Charlottesville Podcasting Network, celebrating 15 years of audio from the community and planning for another 15 and beyond. That's at SiebelPodcast.com. There are another 872 cases of COVID-19 reported by the Virginia Department of Health this morning, just below the seven-day average of 920 new cases per day. The seven-day average for positive test results has declined to 5.5% from 5.7% yesterday. The Thomas Jefferson Health District reports another 15 cases, lower than the seven-day average of 53. There is another COVID-19-related death in the district, this time of someone in Louisa County. The University of Virginia updated their COVID-19 tracker Monday afternoon, three days after last giving new official numbers for the ongoing outbreak. They reported 50 new cases on Friday, 15 cases on Saturday, and 7 on Sunday. That's a total of 562 cases since August 17th, with 508 of them students. However, a more useful number to track tracks the active cases, which are defined as new cases with a positive test during the past 10 days who require isolation on or off grounds. More than a quarter of the quarantine rooms are occupied, and 7% of isolation rooms are occupied. Quarantine is defined as, for those who may have been exposed to someone who was tested positive for COVID-19, and isolation is, for those who have tested positive for COVID-19. As many as four residence halls have been identified for needing to have their occupants tested. In a statement posted to the UVA Facebook page on Sunday, the university will continue to conduct wastewater and prevalence testing throughout the UVA community in order to detect cases as early as possible and take action to limit the spread of the virus. Total enrollment is down this year in Albemarle County Schools by 5%, according to figures presented yesterday to the Places 29 Hydraulic Community Advisory Committee. However, School Board Chairwoman Kate Acuff said the decline is lower when you include only elementary school pupils. There were 6,483 students in the county's 15 elementary schools on September 30, 2019. That number on September 9th was 5,856, a 9.7% decline. Two-thirds of the drop-in enrollment are elementary school kids which are the ones who probably have the most difficulty navigating in virtual instruction. And of the elementary kids, half of them are kindergartners or would have been kindergartners. So maybe those parents are keeping them in pre-K a bit longer or they're in any rate, they're delaying, maybe delaying kindergarten uh, for a year. We just don't know. Albemarle County Schools are currently in stage two, which means mostly all students are receiving virtual instruction. A move to stage three would be a hybrid model for pre-K through third grade students, and officials are currently studying whether conditions merit that change. Under this protocol, uh, Dr. Haas, the superintendent, is obligated to make a recommendation halfway through a term uh, about whether we should move to another stage or stay where we are. And that's what they're looking at right now. The Places 29 Hydraulic CAC was also presented with plans from Jaunt for their on-demand transit project. CEO Brad Sheffield has been visiting many elected and appointed bodies to get feedback on the idea. 
this is really not a big jump for us. It's more of a slight evolution of where we're headed with the types of services that we want to provide and how we want to be able to provide those quickly. Sheffield said Jaunt and other transit agencies are currently experiencing lower ridership and reduced revenues due to being fare-free. But he added that the goal with the project is to make transit work better for people in the future, especially for those who may qualify for subsidies. We want to make sure that the customers just don't have to worry about where and how to get to their locations and even have to worry about what to pay. If there are different programs or different types of services that they're eligible for and that helps cover the cost, that's what this type of platform will answer for them almost immediately. Sheffield said data collected through pilot projects will help improve the overall transit system. The Wintergreen Resort in Nelson County will open the winter ski season on December 11th. According to a September 14th letter from Rod Kessler, Wintergreen's general manager, the resort will follow all CDC and local regulations and will require face coverings. They'll also make necessary changes to allow for physical distancing and will closely monitor employee health. If there is a need for enforcement limits on a given day, priority will be given to season pass holders. The resort is also giving anyone who has already purchased a pass the opportunity to defer it to next year. More than 70 miles of railway between Charlottesville and Clifton Forge will get an upgrade thanks to $13.7 million in federal grants announced yesterday. Funding for the Buckingham Branch Railroad North Mountain subdivision will cover the cost of upgrades to 14 at-grade rail crossings, improve bridges, and build new drain systems in the tunnel that runs through the mountains at Afton. Senators Tim Kaine and Mark Warner announced the funding from the U.S. Department of Transportation's Consolidated Rail Infrastructure and Safety Improvements Grant. Last year, the state of Virginia and CSX reached an agreement for the state to purchase the railway, which will continue to be operated by Buckingham Branch. Yesterday, the Albemarle Architectural Review Board took a look at several projects, including a new sheets in the northwest corner of the intersection of US-29 and Airport Road. That project has had to undergo several changes, including a smaller fuel canopy. Here's ARB member Dade Van Der Werf. The prominence of this site, its elevation above 29, I think does make it maybe more of a concern here than it is across the street or at some of the other locations where we've, we've looked at larger canopies where uh, grade uh, effectively mitigates uh, significantly the appearance and the impact of those. Sheets has also been asked to reduce the number of fuel dispensers from 8 to 6, However, the engineering and permit manager for Sheets, Lee May, said that might be an issue. Operating 600 of these uh, locations, we've learned over time what works and what doesn't work. And whenever we drop to six, it's really important that they be um, spread out to serve the same volume of customers. Instead, the ARB asked May to reduce the width of drive aisles in order to help move the building closer to the street, a key component of Albemarle County's design guidelines. The ARB also reviewed an application for a redesign of the southern portion of Albemarle Square to make way for a new Aldi store, which would feature a corner tower with the trademark logo. The building was formerly a fresh market and before that a Circuit City building. Frank Hancock is another ARB member who favored the design. It works surprisingly well with the architecture, the existing architecture. Um, I think it's it actually is more successful than the fresh market in its response or its 
connection to the Rio Road corridor. The ARB will hold another work session on the Aldi after a more refined design is submitted. Today in meetings, the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority meets at 2.15 p.m. Items include an agreement between the RWSA and the University of Virginia to study ways to boost wastewater capacity on campus, and a presentation on how the water and wastewater systems operated by the RWSA work. The Greene County Board of Supervisors meets at 7.30 p.m. One item is a public hearing on through truck restrictions on Fredericksburg Road between U.S. 29 and U.S. 33. There is also a presentation on a new post office facility near Dyke, an update on CARES Act funding, and a progress report on the Business Disruption Grant Program. There is also first reading on a resolution to begin review of the county's comprehensive plan. And that's it for this edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Please send me some feedback or like the post. Do anything you can to share this with other people and to let me know how it can be improved. I'm not doing a version in Esperanto, though. Stop asking. Or, Sesu Demandi. Thanks for listening. I'm Sean Tubbs, and I'll be back tomorrow with another installment. 